This is Finance, a basic look at the complex world of investing. Join me, Matt Gregory, and reformed Wall Street guy Peter Raschuti as we put the fun in fundamentals of market capitalism. Don't worry, the dad jokes are free, and they're also infrequent. The average American has 10% of their portfolio invested internationally. And keep in mind, that's an average. Uh, you know what they always say, you know, you can drown in a lake that has an average uh, depth of six inches. So uh, that's what the math is on, on that. On this week's episode, what are international stocks and why should you invest in them? And after a little bit of a break, we're back to it with our stock market expert, Peter Raschuti. Uh, today, Peter, and it was your idea, and I like it a lot, what is international investing? And where should we start when we're looking at this topic? Geez, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, you're, um, what you're doing is investing outside of the U.S. You're investing in companies outside of the U.S. And uh, the, the number one reason, there's two reasons really to do it. One is diversification. Mm -hmm. Anytime you can diversify your portfolio, take it. Uh, the, second, <laughs> the second is the returns um, uh, are oftentimes better outside of the U.S. You got to remember the U.S. is a very mature country with very, a lot of very mature companies. And uh, what you're looking at now is companies, uh, countries that maybe aren't as, uh, uh, aren't as mature economically, and you want a piece of that. And I would tell you that right off the bat, that most people, beyond most, 99% of people should invest internationally through a mutual fund, which is something you know we talked about mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. Um, it is just too complicated. It's too, uh, uh, you don't, you know, Peter Lynch, the great money manager said, invest in what you understand. And, you know, you definitely don't understand this. Yeah, well, one of the things we always talk about or that you always bring up is um, the idea of uh, everyone wants to invest in like your Google or things like that whatever that next hot thing is. But with international, I mean, is there, there's there got to be as much room for growth, right? Because these are companies across the world, um, and some of them are proven companies, like Airbus is a French company, I think. Right, um, sure. So, you know, when it comes to those companies, what are before we get into, like, how you get it and the mutual fund aspect, you know, what kind of companies should people look for? Should they choose to look into, like, stocks internationally? And where would they find them? Well, they, they, they really get two ways to go. They can invest in... Um, companies from mature nations like uh, Western Europe, or they can go into what's known as emerging market mutual funds. And that would be more like uh, Brazil and Russia and China, um, things that are really just getting their act together. And a lot of times those are tremendous, tremendous opportunities. And, you know, we're always trying to look at, you know, with my students at Tulane, we're trying to look for small, uh, small companies in the U.S. that people haven't heard of. And uh, this is uh, just a whole these are whole countries where nobody's ever heard of the, uh, heard of the, and you know, the funny thing, Matt, is uh, Americans themselves, you know, the average American has 10% of their portfolio invested internationally. And keep in mind, that's an average. And so there's a lot of zeros in that. And there's a few people at 15%. It is, uh, you know what they always say, you know, you can drown in a lake that has an average uh, depth of six inches. So uh, that's what the math is on, on that. And it makes sense. Uh, I mean, just from a U.S. kind of thing, you know, we're a very parochial nation. You know, we've been we've been great. And I think, you know, anybody that's bet against the U.S. since 1776 is lost. And I, I think they will. They'll continue to. I'm, I've got a flag I'm waving here. We can't see it, but it's um, but it, but this is the time you need to invest across borders. And uh, you know how it is. I mean, we've got you know, internet, we got an ocean on the east, ocean on the west, Canada, 
which is like a suburb of the U.S. <laughs> right above it, and um, uh, and Mexico, which is you know a very good country. Most of it's Catholic. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's like you're not really investing. You know, you're not out in the crazy <laughs> land or whatever. So that's the way. That's the way we've been. Um, that's the way we've been viewed to do things. And um, you know what they say? They say, uh, you know, what do you call somebody who speaks three languages that's trilingual? What do you call somebody that leaks, speaks two languages that's bilingual? And what do you call somebody that speaks one language, American? And um, and so this this all leads to the fact. On you might, for instance, if you were in Europe, you could understand that if you were from Italy, you would probably invest in a company in uh, Germany or. Uh, any of those, any of those nations, they're right next to you. Mm-hmm. But this is like a far off. You have to go over a big puddle. You know, it's uh, uh, it's very, very, very different. First of all, um, <laughs> I guess that the fact that you're from Boston makes you quite the patriot. Um, <laughs> just like <laughs> that Tea Party thing. We're say. still talking about. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, you're> just... <laughs> Sam Adams himself on the other end of this call. Uh, I was wondering if people wanted to invest, right? Like they're in mutual. I know that I actually have an international mutual fund. It's not a large part of my portfolio, but you know that had I had to have someone explain that to me. So, for somebody who's listening and they're like, "Okay, well, um, great, Peter, sounds great. I'd love to invest in something in Malaysia or something somewhere else. How do they do that, or where can they go to do that?" They can do it. Uh, you, yours is probably through your four hundred one k. That's one of the options. A lot of everybody gives you now. I mean, if your company doesn't give you an international option, you know, ask them because it just doesn't make any make any sense but now there's lots and lots and lots of uh mutual funds that allow you to invest abroad and this is a funny term that most people would not uh even think of but it's it's kind of interesting is that um there are um international mutual funds and there are global mutual funds and global um Hmm. is they can invest in and they sound like the same we use them interchangeably but uh global they can invest in the home country so in other words you could see uh you could see a mutual fund that is global, but it includes a lot of U.S. stocks. And then if you're international, it would exclude the home country. So it's everywhere other than Europe. And that's the way you'll see the, um, the mutual funds uh, described in here. They tend to be, the fees tend to be a little bit more. And I understand that because they've got to do a lot of searching. They've got, they've got men and women walking around countries you've never heard of. Uh, trying to trying to find the best stocks, whereas an index fund can be run by an algorithm or an yeah. ape or anything like that. But this is this is boots on the ground. One of the things that I had noticed was like um, somebody had told me uh, early on that you want to get invested in international because um, sometimes when the U.S. market is down, the international market's up, and it's it's just kind of a way to diversify. Is that true? How does that work? It, absolutely. You know, it's it tends to be less so in the developed countries like Western Europe. It, uh, West, it'll move a little bit different than the U.S., but once you go really international, um, it has no correlation to the uh, U.S. market. So, and that's great. And that's great. You have a bad day. The markets are all um, uh, squashed and you look over and, you know, your international funds are doing are doing fine. And that's a great, that's a great thing to have behind you. There is, by the way, uh, Matt, the one way you could invest in international stocks that you could buy them individually is something that you mentioned earlier, like you mentioned Airbus, um, and that is ADRs, American Depository Receipts. And these are foreign stocks that trade on the U.S. exchanges just like stocks. Hmm. And so these ADRs are 
that is the only spot I would invest in individual stocks. Like for instance, I have stock in Philips, which is the company they do make all these all this medical equipment. But you know, you and I are electric shaver or are, um, you have facial hair. How can I even have this discussion? No, I use a Philips Norelco to uh, oh, clean the bottom. Perfect. That is great. And my toothbrush is from Philips Same. and all, and they're um they're for, they're abroad. But I can invest, and in fact, I did invest in. Um, them internationally through an ADR. So that's uh, that's been that's been great. Well, now one thing about international investing, uh, Matt, that we have to talk about right from the beginning is you've got country risk or political risk that you don't have in the uh, in the U.S. Well, after January sixth, maybe you have <laughs> uh, country risk. I'm sorry about that. Let me take that back. So um, it is. Uh, but you know, you have, for instance, um, you know, China coming out and saying they're you know, trying to put the whammy on Chinese companies that are trading on the um, on the American exchanges. You see these kind of things. You have, you know, small countries where the you know there's been an overthrow in the government, things like that. Uh, one thing that really does help, though, Matt, is these international economies because they want U.S. dollars. Have um, they've all kind of tied into the same accounting system? The way you recognize things as the U.S. We call it gap accounting, and um, um, and that's and. That's that's made things a lot lot better. But and there's also some weird things, Matt, that you wouldn't expect. Like, um, let's say you invested abroad. Uh, if you invested abroad and bought a uh, your mutual fund, did that, um, you would benefit from a weak dollar. Mm -hmm. You would benefit from weak dollar because when that when you go to sell those stocks or that mutual fund, it's now going to be able to buy more U.S. dollars than it did when you bought it. Hmm. And so that, and of course, you know, you know, every Peter walks around with, you know, American flag lapel pins and says, uh, you know, it's a, we need a strong dollar. Strong. <laughs> it's if you're investing internationally, it's better to have a weak dollar. Um, now, one, another thing, Matt, and this kind of ties to the same situation is some people will say, in fact, Warren Buffett says this, is that that's a lot of work. Why don't you just invest in U.S. companies that have significant parts of their sales abroad? Uh, and that's, you know, when you hear that, you know, the average company now has in the S&P 500, which is, of course, dominated by very large companies, has about 40 percent of their profits coming outside of the oh, U.S. Wow. So you can see why they say it. And um, and of course, the companies aren't crazy people. They know that that's where the growth is. I mean, that's why they did it. It just doesn't isn't happenstance. That's what I was wondering about was you're right. Yeah. yeah. Why, why, why not just keep it with a company that sells internationally? Um, what, what I guess like one of the things that we know is like here, um, the United States is large enough to be its own continent in a way compared to Europe, say. When people are investing, are these mutual funds divided up by like nation or have they gone out? I think you were kind of talking about it there, but have they gone out and gotten com companies from every, you know, some from Spain, some from Germany, some from Lithuania, and now they've made that into a fund or how does it work? Uh, they really just uh, look at the whole world and try to find uh, stocks they want to put in. And generally, it is um, interna international, global. Would those kind of funds would own very established companies in Western Europe, say, um, and the emerging would be the with the high growth. And you get that high growth, high return trade off math we talk about all the time. And and um, and that's when you look at the emerging markets. That's the uh, that's the way it works. Um, but the one thing is, if you invest in U.S. companies that have business abroad uh, you get certainly get a play over there but you don't get the true diversification of these different exchanges um going in in opposite directions from each other a lot of times so um that's one of our big 
big things to take a take a look at. Um, the other thing about these, Matt, is that I would, if you invest internationally, and this is true for almost any kind of investment, I'd invest slowly like you're doing, mm -hmm. like you have the 401k, you know, you don't know when these markets, I mean, this is a dicey, not dicey, it's more dicey than the US market. Um, you'd be better off putting a few hundred dollars in every month than just kind of easing into the uh, easing of the position. One question, because um, I can't remember the ratio, but how much if you let's say if you're going to take your 401k or your Roth and you're going to divide it up uh, into an international fund, what percentage would you say is a healthy one to start at uh, for having an international investing? You know, if, what, what, I, guess uh, I would say, well, first of all, the first the first number I'm going to give you is sort of startling, which is um, uh you know, uh, about a little between 50 and 55% of all stocks are traded outside of the US. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's where you got to start. Um, some people say at the low end, you ought to have 20 to 25%. Some of the more aggressive people say it ought to be 40%. And, um, and then of that, of the international part, a lot of people have said the real bargains are in the emerging markets. And uh, what you've got to realize is that we've had a, we had the the bad month there in, in March of uh, last year, but we've basically had a bull market for the last 12 years and stocks, U.S. stocks are expensive. They really are. They're selling at like 21 times next year's earnings. Historically, it's been about 16. So you're really, um, you're really paying up for these stocks, but and internationally, uh, particularly in these emerging countries, you're paying about 13 to 14 times earnings. So significantly cheaper, uh, better bargains, uh, you get the diversification, and you get countries and companies that are growing faster. But And one other thing, Matt, by investing internationally, you're not hurting the U.S. or, you know, it's like I'm not a trader or uh, whatever the words, you know, I'm not going to, which gets us back to January 6th. But um, it's, um, no, because think about it, when you're buying and selling stocks, you're not affecting that company at all. You're just trading those stocks against other people. So it's not like I'm starving um, I'm starving companies of capital. Mm -hmm. That's only at the IPO stage. So um, it's nothing where you can, um, you can still, you know, root for the Patriots or whatever that was we were alluding to earlier. <laughs> I think it was a Patriots rooting. Yeah. So you're looking at international stocks and, um, or at least like in the mutual funds, you said about 20 to 25%. And then other people say 40 to 50. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Most people are at zero, really. Yeah, I, I was completely. I was kind of lost on me, and then I noticed you're right. During the bull market time, it was like kind of flatlined and even going down. But I haven't checked it in a while. I think the international. You know what I like is we're having this discussion sort of like it's AA. It was like <laughs> that's right. Until six months ago, I had no international. Uh, there's. <laughs> I'm never exposure. looking back yet. Uh, no international exposure. <laughs> Even the term exposure seems kind of weird, actually, in this, but that's the term you use. You know, I don't know about this, but the terms used in stock market things are so odd to me. It's like, well, we got exposure, we got short selling, and we're going to do this. And it's like, they're all terms that normally are not associated with good things, but then we just got people talking on CNBC and Fox Business just like popping them out there. I don't know. It is, you know, you get, um, you know, and if you, once you uh, make a trade and it's complete, you get what's called an execution. <laughs> that's what that is. And uh, I was thinking, I was thinking, there's also one, someday we'll talk about options, but um, you know, when I teach about teach in, that in class, um, you know, you get a lot of, you know, a lot, you've got a few students that are kind of sleeping in the back or whatever. And then you start talking about the terms and it's like naked straddles and naked spreads. And uh, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait. <laughs> like, are we back at the fraternity no house or? 
Yeah, that's right. I just left that place just to come to this class. And um, so, so I, then I guess my, my my only logical like question to follow up most of this with is like, you've sold me on international stocks, right? At international investing at this point, even if I hadn't, and there's more to it, but um, what's happening right now in the international space? Like, what are you, what have you seen over the course of the summer? We've seen this like rebounding economy that you and I have talked about before is a K-shaped recovery. Mm-hmm. What does the international recovery look like? Or is there one? It's been, um, it's been more, uh, let's see. Um, there's been more extremes on, on each side. You have countries that are still haven't made the recovery at all. And then others have uh, recovered, uh, the big markets, the, uh, you know, that include the, big companies you and I were talking about, uh, you know, uh, Phillips, for instance, or Siemens or something, those indexes that hold those kind of stocks have actually outperformed the U.S. Wow. And um, so it's really, it, it's really, it, it's something. And uh, um, and the, these, these analysts that go internationally, um, they really, I mean, it's like the old, it's like the Wild West. I mean, it really, you look around the U.S. and we try to find companies that Bingley Wall Street doesn't know much about, but you go out there and you're finding companies that nobody knows anything about. So it's something. <laughs> it's not quite the Birkin Roads report. It's a little bit off the. No, no, road. and it's definitely it's, but it's moving. It's in that direction. It's just the extreme. <laughs> Have you ever thought about taking the students to, um, you know, somewhere in Europe and having them look up companies there, or is it strictly always going to be a, you know, South? Well, you know, thing? um. We stay in these six southern states, but it's interesting. We have a very, very large uh, Masters of Finance program at Tulane, and it's mainly, I don't know what the percentage is, mainly students from China that come for this one-year program. And I've been pitching an idea that these students uh, follow Chinese companies trading in the U.S. on the exchange. Mm. And um, I think that would be so cool. And now that everybody's figured out Zoom, you know, it's not like, well, that's great, Professor Shuti. That'll cost seventy-three million dollars to send them to China. They, yeah, they could just, you know, talk to the Chinese company. The Chinese company will give you the Communist Party leader that they want you to speak to. It's great. right, it's right. Cool. That'll be fine. And so is that indoctrination for five minutes. But after that, you're fine. And after that's uh, money. And and <laughs> and that is the that is the final say. Money is money, mm-hmm. and uh, that's one thing you uh, you find across the board. So. Uh, you know, certain. I would say when I think of international investing, I think you've got a little bit more risk, or quite a bit more return. And then if you're talking about investing in the emerging markets, you've got quite a bit of risk for potentially enormous returns. And think about it. The one thing on this emerging markets thing is that you're not investing internationally um, at these emerging countries by yourself or the individual stocks. That is a that is very difficult. But you are getting a mutual fund now of something experts kicked around for a long time and you get the diversification you know that when you're investing in emerging markets there's some of these babies aren't going to make it i mean that's just the nature but some are going to hit the um hit the ball out of the park as you and i would talk because we like baseball (laughs) but it's that's what we use all baseball analogies it's baseball or religion and like bull durham said they're one and the same at times um, ah, that's true. That's the great part of that movie. So, a question. So, it, what is there anything else that you wanted to hit on with international investing that you you hadn't quite gotten your 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 point across on? Um, I just think it's uh, it's really a mindset for most people. It probably ties very closely to getting vaccinated, and uh, it is <laughs> you just got to trust the experts on this, and you um, and you'll see the numbers. You'll uh, I mean we couldn't do that. On, on you know when 
audio like this, but if you see the numbers, you see significant uh, changes in your risk return profile by investing internationally. And I think it's uh, every mutual fund company has it. Uh, you know, one week we talked about ESG, environmental, social, and governance. When it becomes a big deal, even they might be slower or faster to get into this business, but when you see them all offering uh, ESG funds or all significant international funds, there's a market there. And, uh, mm. and I think we, uh, we ought to uh, poke around and, uh, and take a look at it. It's, uh, and by the way, these ADR stocks, uh, uh, I bought stock in a company uh, only because I traded an ADR, but a company called uh, Sonova. And what they make is the, uh, the largest maker of hearing aids. And my, both my sons have told me that that after having dinner with me, that would actually be a very good investment. So it's, uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you one more thing. If you call a broken Schwerer, my account is at Schwab, for instance, but um, they, when you call the international desk, they say, and this is, this just tells you everything. And this is a recorded message. It's like um, for Canadian stocks, hit one for everything, hit two. And that's sort of, that's, <laughs> to me, that's the, biggest expression that's funny oh my so um we haven't talked in a couple weeks i've got to get out the uh, other podcast that'll come out this week on esgs like you were talking about um i wanted to not maybe look forward but kind of look at like where are we at economically right now across the board um you see we had a rise for a while there i think the dow hit like thirty-three thousand. although we've talked about this in the past that doesn't really matter but where is the economy at? We've seen that there's an easing of inflation, even though there's been a rise. I, I, what are you seeing? What's happening this summer? Well, uh, stocks really uh, believe that uh, the pandemic's over. That's the way it's trading. And now with the new variant, I don't know if that's a good idea to, to believe that. And these earnings are, I'll tell you what, one of the things that bothers me right now is that the earnings coming out of these companies are significantly higher than the analysts are expecting. And that, you know, that, tends to be a little bit like that, but it's, it's, I've never seen it like this. You know, a company's supposed to earn a dollar share and it earns a dollar 50. I mean, you're not supposed to be off by that much money. Uh, and so, uh, but what's happening is these companies announce enormous earnings and the stocks don't move. And that's mm. telling me that a lot of the good news going forward is priced into these stocks already. And I think that's a really big deal. It's baked in the cake. It's uh, what do we do? The Italian theory was a, uh, it's like ragu spaghetti sauce. It's in there, you know. It's in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, so then the the thought for people right now is saying, oh, it's time to get into the market because these things are going to go up. It's already up. It's already in there. In fact, it came in there so quickly that really by I mean it keeps going up. But by April we had recovered the whole uh, the whole thing on the pandemic. I, I think the most interesting thing right now, and I've never seen it this binary, is you've got two camps right now. And the bond market's a perfect example. We went from um, we went uh, from uh, the 10-year treasury yielding about 0 0.80 to uh, a couple of months ago is yielding 1.70. So it's a doubling. In it. And now what we're seeing is two camps. They get one camp that says, we're going to have inflation in this economy. And that's the worst thing that could happen to financial assets. And so um, that's one bet going on in here. And that means that you'd like to um, hold off and buy bonds later. When, to make up for this inflation. And there's another group that says, uh, and inflation, of course, is coming from a very strong economy. And there's another group that thinks the economy, um, this was sort of the peak, this, uh, this sugar high that we're getting now, and that, um, and that we're going to see uh, deflation and a slower economy. And then 
I've really never seen it where you've got 50% on each side. And, uh, and, and Matt, one thing, one thing I'd, I'd emphasize to people is you're seeing all these talking heads on CNBC and then these even worse politicians talking, they're skewing these, these numbers. You know, I, I know in Washington, DC, you have, I'm trying to think you must, you must have a few politicians and, um, one or two. One or two, good. And uh, yeah. so they're the least likely to, to follow. But look at where the money's going. That will mm -hmm. always tell you what the real truth is. And that is, um, uh, you know, the fact that the economy recovered in April of 2020 told you, you know, other people saying, you know, we'll be, we'll be locked down forever. You'll be eating our young, you know, all of that kind of thing. <laughs> and the market was like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, it'll recover and that'll be so. So, um, I always look at where the money's going. Uh, I think it it tells you the big story. Yeah, very good. I think that's a pretty good wrap on international stocks, where things are headed to. And I think next week, we were just talking about beforehand, we should definitely touch on what is a stock split? Because this is happening sometimes to people who are younger and they're like, well, what does this mean? And then they think they've got this like, now they have more stock, but really, what does it mean? We'll get into that next week. I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah, that would be great. One of my favorite topics. Very good. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us. And you at home, thanks for listening. We know you didn't have to.